this evening, Exodus 34. In that video, when he showed the, the Saturday meeting there, there was two older men sitting in the front row. I don't know if you noticed them. They sat in the front row three years ago. That's really cool uh, to see them still there. Um, I don't remember, I don't think three years ago they had made a profession of faith. If I remember right, they, they, were, uh, they were pretty faithful in coming, but Noah said he didn't know if they had accepted it or not. Um, they, they had a hunger for the gospel, though, for the truth, and so uh, it's great to see them still there, and Lord willing, they've come to an understanding of the gospel. Uh, Noah, is, Noah is a unique man in, in his ministry there. Um, if you remember, back in 2015, he came and preached missions conference here, and he is... Uh, uniquely equipped, I, I guess is the best way of saying it, uh, to work in that part of the world, and God's just used him in in such a mighty way. I think that makes, I believe he told us that it had been seven years in Lebanon when we were there, so that's ten years now in Lebanon, two years in Jordan, and and uh, so I praise the Lord for uh, his faithfulness and God has used him. He speaks the language without an accent. Most of the people there think he is is Lebanese because he's got the dark skin and and he looks kind of Lebanese and then he speaks Arabic so well. So God God has blessed his faithfulness. We need to really be faithful in praying for him. Well, chapter 34 tonight, I want to look at the first 17 verses and particularly just um, God's charge to Israel here. And uh, I titled this, Whose Name is Jealous? Whose Name is Jealous? We'll read all of it. We'll read all from verse 1 down to verse 17 here. Uh, And then we'll get into just two points tonight. God speaks of himself, and he gives some, some, uh, in one verse he says several things about himself, or two verses, and then then I want to look at, when he says his name is Jealous, he talks about some things uh, about us that apply to us today. Uh, so verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I'll write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks or herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto the Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hands the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is, this is point one here, verse six and seven. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, For it is a stiff-necked people, 
and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But, be, but ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they, go a -whoring after they, and they go a whoring after their gods, and do sacrifices unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. Thou shalt take their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods." And we're going to stop there tonight. I, I want to look at a jealous God. And he says here, uh, when we allow sin in our lives, there's three things. We make a covenant. He said, thou shalt make a covenant. Get rid of the sin, lest you make a covenant with them. Uh, and then partake in their sin. He says, you start partaking in their sin and, and go astray. And I want to look at that tonight. Uh, after we look at who God is, I want to look at that. I don't want to jump over that, but it's verse 7 through 14 that I want to focus on this evening. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for our time tonight, for bringing us back together safely. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I ask that as we look into your word, you would, you would uh, shine your light into our hearts, that we would be sensitive, but we would be obedient. And Lord, if there's something in our lives that uh, we need to get rid of, Lord, that is, that is hindering us from serving you, that is, that is quenching your spirit, I ask that you would show us those things. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So verse 6 and 7, is, it's an amazing thing to me here, and, and I'm, I'm certainly not digging into this passage as much as I could in this message tonight. There's, there's, you could say something about Moses hewing the tablets. You know, the first two that he destroyed, God made. He, Moses made the second ones. There's application there. Uh, but we see that the Lord is still there and merciful to Israel. And he gives them the second, second uh, set. But I want to see what the Lord said to Moses as he, as he came before him. And it's, it's an awesome thing to me here. Verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. I, I'm so thankful that he tells us who he is. Moses went up to meet him and the Lord stood there and said, here's who I am. Here's who I am. And he gave some characteristics of himself. And, it, and it's strengthening to us. We, we need to remember who we serve. Satan can discourage us over and over and over as we fail or as we come before an insurmountable foe. We, we can be strengthened when we see who God is. So he said these things of himself. Verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord. It's a simple statement, but it's just meaning the self-existent one. 
He's, he's proclaiming his power here. Moses, remember who I am. I am all-sufficient, all-powerful in myself. And, you know, we don't understand how that works. We don't understand uh, his, his, his uh, uh, the word just slipped my mind, but that he's infinite, that he had no beginning, he has no end. Our minds can't wrap around that. Everything we see in this life has a beginning and an end. Everything. Right? There's beginning to your life, and there certainly will be an end. All right? We talked about this church. We're coming up on 80 years, a couple years away from 80, our 80th anniversary. Praise the Lord for that. We had a beginning. We had a beginning. It's, an inf- it's, it's a finite thing, the life of this church. Now, the Lord will keep us, but there's going to come an end. We're going to be in heaven someday. There's an end to this earth. Yet God is infinite. And, and he says that in this statement. He stands before Moses and says, The Lord, I, I'm self-existent. And then he says, he repeats himself and adds to it, The Lord God. Well, if you look at, according to Strong's, self-existent and almighty. When he says, when, when God repeats something in the Bible, he's putting emphasis on it. He's putting emphasis on it. So he, he repeats himself here, but he adds the word God. He adds the name God, the Almighty, the self-existent Almighty One. Do we understand that? It's easy to say, and it's easy to say, yes, that is true. But to walk in faith is to accept that He is the Almighty. To walk in faith is to say, yes, you are all-existent, all-self-existent, almighty, and therefore I trust you in every aspect of my life. And he's, he's reminding Moses, there's difficult times ahead, yet I am almighty. I'm self-existent. I'm here for you. My presence is always there. And so he says these things about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. So thankful for his mercy. It is new every morning that he doesn't give me what I deserve. Thankful for the mercy and grace of God. So we fail him every single day of our life. He's long-suffering, long-suffering. He's willing to put up with me. (laughs) That's, That's a simple way of putting it, but isn't that what it is? He's willing to put up with me because he loves me. Same with you. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering. We could lump it all into one thing. The, the uh, love of God never fails. His love never fails. In his, in his long-suffering, in His mercy, in His grace, He's going to mold me in His image. He's going to keep refining me to be more like Him. So mercy and grace and long-suffering doesn't mean there's no trials. It means that God is, is putting in my life those things that are perfect for me to be more like him in your life the same way. He's molding us and and making us to be like him. Abundant in goodness and truth. Abundant in goodness and truth. All that he does is right. He's almost repeating himself again. Listen, you can trust me. What I do is good. What I do is truth. What I do is right. He's reminding Moses of these things. Then he says... uh, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Thankful that he's forgiving, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. 
Because there's not one person in here that's more guilty of sin than another. We're all stand guilty before God. If it wasn't for his blood and for his forgiveness, we have nothing. So we ought to be thankful for his forgiveness. Can you, can you every morning get up and say, Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for, for allowing me to come back to you every single day. As I fail you more and more, you, you love me. And then he's just. He's just. He's forgiving. But this verse says, And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. This, this passage of scripture has scared me half to death. Because I know my sin. I know my flesh. And this says, by no means clear the guilty. In other words, he, sin will be punished. It always will be punished. Now Christ took our punishment. If we, if we turn to him... It's taken care of. If I continue in my sin, it will be punished. And then he said, not only me, but my children and their children's children until the fourth generation. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be that way. But what he's saying is, if I am going to turn and live in sin, then my children will suffer, and their children will suffer, and the next generation after that will suffer. Why? Because of my sin. Because God is just and will not allow it without punishment. That's justice. He, he's just in that. He, he shows his goodness. He shows his mercy. But he says to Moses, listen, sin will be judged. So he talks about himself here and he, and he, he strengthens Moses by speaking of himself. And then he goes and says, listen, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Moses intercedes for his people in verse 8 and 9. And verse 9 is an amazing verse. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. Moses is interceding again for the people. Here we see Moses being a picture of Christ again. Moses saw the sin of the people in the prior chapters as they, as they made the molten calf, and he, and he made them drink the, the water with the calf mixed into it, and, and he told them that God was going to judge them. But when God said, I'm going to destroy them, he fell down before him and said, take me if, before you take them. Moses loved Israel, and he, and he intercedes for them again. Take us for thine inheritance. He, he, he wanted a commitment from God that, that, they, that he would keep them, that he would preserve his people. And then God says in verse 10 through 17, He said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. He says, I'm going to show you my power. Israel was blessed because of Moses' faithfulness, Moses' prayer here. But God says, you're going to have to observe my commandments. If you're going to walk with me, you have to observe my commandments. I'm going to drive out these people in verse 11. Verse 12, then he says, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, 
For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He says one more thing about himself here. And Christian, we need to get a hold of this and, and be careful. Take heed to thyself, verse 12, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Now he lists the people in their idolatry and he says, you tear out their groves, you take care of all of this, because if you don't, this is what's going to happen in your life. Because I'm a jealous God, I'm not going to allow you to live in sin, but I know what's going to happen. And he said, first of all, if you don't, you're going to make a covenant. Verse 15, he says it again, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. A covenant. Christian, we're told to be different. We, we hear it all the time. Come out from among them and be ye separate lest we do these things. The covenant with the people of the land uh, is, is an illustration of me allowing things into my life. This is, how I want to, this is the application for today. So to make a covenant with the idolatry of this world is I allow it into my home. I allow it into my home. <laughs> I talked about it this morning. The Olympics have been on for the last two weeks. And I love the Olympics. I love the, the events of it, just the, the competitiveness of it all. And, uh, and it's fun to watch. But this year has been pushing the homosexual agenda like I've never seen before. In anything. In anything. If there's a homosexual um, athlete, they highlight that person. They make a big deal of it. The commercials we've had this year are throwing it in our face. I said this morning, I shut it off last night because they were talking about this man and his husband, or his wife, I don't know, had adopted a son, and what a special thing this was, and what a perfect picture of a family this was. I shut it off. I'm like, my kids are not watching this. Why? Because if I allow it in, I'm making a covenant with it. It's not that I wrote something down, but I'm, I'm okaying it. I'm not, I'm not marking it as sin. The people didn't go into the land and, and sign, a, sign a contract, I'm going to serve your God. When Israel went in, they allowed people to stay. And just like God said, because of the nearness to the sin, their sons took the daughters, and the daughters took the sons, and idolatry came in. The covenant is just this allowing it into our lives. What do we allow into our home? This one year, this one runner this year, they praised her for having an abortion. She was able to come back after having an abortion, and I thought, we're supposed to cheer for a murder? I'm sorry, she killed her child. Now, she's lost and needs to accept Christ as her Savior, but that was a special child to God that she killed. And we're glorifying that act. Not, I'm not trying to come down on her and say she deserves punishment any more than the rest of us do, but I will not allow that to be glorified in my home. If I allow it, then I'm making a covenant with it. I'm normalizing it. It's murder. And so we make covenants when we allow things into our home. We have to be so careful, not just in my children's lives, but in my own life, it's amazing to me how 
desensitized I have become to all of that stuff. To see two men on TV holding hands ought to shock us. God said that's sin. But it doesn't anymore because it's what we're force-fed all the time. Listen, it's, it's so much more than just that agenda. What, what, about, what about just immorality overall? What about living outside of marriage with a partner? That's normalized. That doesn't shock anyone. And we, we allow it into our home through the TV. We allow it in our home through Internet. And so our children see it and think, well, maybe it's not so bad. They look pretty happy on there. And we're making a covenant with it. He said, you make a covenant with these things and you will partake in it. You will partake in it. Lest they'll make a covenant with the inhabitants of the lands, verse 15, and they go a-whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods and one call thee and thou shalt eat of his sacrifice. You make that covenant, you're going to start participating in it. You know what's happening in churches in Wichita Falls right now? And I've seen the video. I haven't been in and listened to, this, to the messages, but I've seen the videos of the so-called pastors here in Wichita Falls defending homosexuality, defending alcohol, railing against what we would be labeled as, as uh, legalistic. So if you stand against sin, they're going to preach against you. They're going to come against you. And that's going on here in town. To stand behind the pulpit and say that sin is no longer sin, it amazes me that the lightning bolt doesn't come through the roof and just nail them. I'm sitting there waiting for it. Lord, just zap them. Take them out. It should, it should concern us, though. These things are brought into our lives, and we accept it. And when I was a kid, to speak of going to have a drink or going to go dancing or to dress immodestly, and I was a kid in the 80s and 90s, so it's not that long ago, it was, it was actually condemned. We, we, we understood as a kid that that was not going to happen in our lives. God frowned upon those things. It was wrong. But we've allowed it into our homes now, into our churches, into our music, into everything that we do. Today it's okay to, to live with a partner outside of marriage. It's okay to swear. It's okay to drink. When you get to preaching about dressing modestly, you're you really stepping on toes. You're liable to get yourself in real trouble. Ladies, God honors those who dress modestly. He, he treasures that, and, and you should as well. First Tim, or 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 speaks of what's going on in our world today. Verse 
Verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they, shall, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Shall heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to be told they're doing all right. So I'm going to find someone who doesn't offend me. Our world is full of safe spaces. We've got we to gotta have a safe space because that's offensive to me. I wasn't allowed to be offended as a child. We were told to rub a little dirt on it and get going. And that was my mother. She wouldn't allow it. You were not going to be a baby about life. When somebody told you the truth, if it hurt, grow from it. Learn from it. But not anymore today. We want teachers that are going to tickle our ears. That's what that means. Make me feel good. Don't confront my sin. Say it's okay. It's the man that I heard preach a funeral several months ago, almost a year ago now, who said that uh, Billy's in heaven today. We know he's in heaven, and we know that you're all going to see him there someday. And that was the spiritual application of the message. What was that? It's itching ears. It's telling you that you're okay. Well, I promise you, in a group of 200 people, there was some unsaved people there. He didn't tell them the truth. So they got, they got their ears tickled, they got to feel good about themselves, and they went home. This is what's going on in our churches today. It's what's going on in America. We partake, and sadly the sin has come into the church. And we have to be careful and, and, and guard against it. The children of Israel, we know what happened to them. They, they did what he told them not to do, and it destroyed them. He says in, back in chapter 34 that when you start to partake, you're going to go astray. You're going to go astray. He said, verse 15, Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifices unto their gods. And one call thee, and thou shalt eat of his sacrifice. And thou shalt take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make thy sons to go whoring after their gods. He said, you, you let it in, you allow it in your home, you start partaking in it, you're going to go astray. When he said they went a-whoring after their gods, it means their life was destroyed. Their life was destroyed. They didn't come back from this. Now we see Israel, Israel fell from God, repented, fell from God, repented. They, there is, there is uh, forgiveness with God. But when he says your daughters and your sons are going to go whoring after their gods, their lives are going to be destroyed. What happened to Lot? I always think of Lot when I, see, when I think of these stories. Lot looked to the plain and saw that it was well watered and that it would raise herds. And he went and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He lived outside of Sodom. Before long he was living inside of Sodom. He was there with them. And then his sons and his daughters lived among those people. You see, when he left the city, his sons didn't come with him. His two daughters did, and his wife went and looked back. He lost his family over his allowing it into his home. The Bible says that he, that he vexed his righteous soul by looking on their sin. I'm amazed at the story of the two angels going into Sodom and, and getting... 
lot out. And the men that were trying to break the door down because there was two strangers there. That, that city was so given over to sin that when God blinded them, that didn't stop them from trying to break the door down. And Lot was among that, and it said it vexed his righteous soul. God told Israel here, you're going to have no other gods before me. My name is Jealous. Not that he, was, not that he is a selfish God, but that he knows what is right for us. And he's there to protect us, and he's there to guide us, and to keep us from going whoring after other gods, from destroying our lives. And Christian, we have to be so careful to not make a covenant with the people of the land, to be careful about what comes into our home. What are we allowing to affect the minds of our children? They, they see enough outside of our homes. They see enough outside of the church that they cannot see it here. We see enough outside. We need to be careful. Whose name is jealous? God said, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord God. I'm merciful and gracious. I'm long-suffering. I'm abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But I will by no means clear the guilty. I will visit the iniquity upon the children and their children's children until the third and fourth generation. Sin will be judged. And then he gave the warning, don't make a covenant with it. Let it have no place in your life. Christian, we live in a world that is only going to get worse. Uh, sin is only going to be celebrated more and more. And we're going to be judged for standing against it. But we can make no covenant with it. He's the Lord. He's the Lord God. He's almighty, self-existent. And he's with us. If we can stand. Whose name is Jealous. You know, there's so many names of God in the Bible. Uh, Right now, and I have lots of favorite passages in the scripture. I have lots of favorite names of God. It changes. But right now, I want, to I want to dwell on his name is Jealous. Why? Because he loves me. Because he knows what's right for me. He's jealous because he's protective. Let's dwell on the name Jealous this week. And, and allow God to use us and say, I will make no covenant with the gods of this land. Sin will have no place in my life this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for all that you've given us, for your mercy and your grace and your truth. Thank you, Lord, that you are self-existent, that you do not need anything.